Episode 13, New Special Ed Teacher Questions. Today on the show, I have Kayleen Durbin, and she actually is not a special ed teacher yet. She is still in college, and I thought it would be fun to bring her on the show and talk to her about where she's at, why she wants to go into special ed, and get some questions from her. I'm breaking this into two episodes because there is so much goodness in it. Today, we'll focus on the whys of becoming a teacher and how you can get into a classroom to gain experience before you finish your credential. And we'll also answer some burning questions that Kayleen has, and we will continue those next week as well. Do you ever find yourself barely able to hold your head above water? Waves of IEPs data collection, assessments, parent conferences, not to mention lesson plans and seasonal activities are all crashing around you. You need help, but not just from anybody. Grab the lifeline that is the Help for Special Educators podcast. We will equip you with creative solutions and teacher-tested strategies so you can navigate the rewarding but difficult job as a special ed teacher. This is Lisa Goodell, your host. So Kayleen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Lisa. Oh, this is going to be really fun. I can't wait to get started. And why don't we do that right now? Go ahead and just introduce us to yourself and tell us where you're at in your education process. All right. So like Lisa said, my name is Kayleen Durbin. I am almost finished with my undergraduate at Fresno State right now. I'm graduating in May of 2019. After I get my degree, I'm going to go straight into the credential program here also at Fresno State, which is in California. And I'm going to get my dual credential, which is getting your multiple subject credential and your special education. It's going to take about two and a half years, but I'm really looking forward to learning more about students with special needs and also classroom management because who doesn't want to learn about classroom management? That sounds wonderful. Now. Have you decided for sure if you want to be in special ed or general ed, or are you still trying to decide what you want to do since you're getting the two credentials? The reason I decided to get the two credentials is because I couldn't decide on general education or special education. And so I thought, why not get both? My vision for when I start teaching full-time is to start in the general education classroom So I can learn how to manage a class and just be in the teaching environment. The biggest thing people have advised me actually is to work in a general education classroom before a special education classroom to get the feeling of self-confidence as a teacher. My hope is after a couple years of being in a gen ed classroom that I can transfer into a special education classroom. The credential I'm getting is a mild moderate. From my impression, from the few things that I have learned, I believe that as students who are autistic, have intellectual disability, attention difficulties, such as ADHD, just different disabilities like that, that I can help in the classroom. In addition to what you said, Kayleen, I think in a mild moderate class, you might also have some students with some more severe learning disabilities. Yes, I agree with that. And a question that I had with the advice that people are giving me to start in 
general education. The reasons I gave was classroom management, but I was asking for the special education teachers who are listening, what are the other benefits of teaching in a general ed classroom before teaching in a special education classroom? Oh, that's a good question. I bet that there are listeners out there that have done that and can explain, give you some ideas. I think that's good that you bring up the whole mild, moderate classroom, because in California, we do divide up self-contained classes that way. We have the resource program in California. It's called Resource Specialist Program, but I know in other places in the country, a lot of times it's resource or inclusion. So that's what we're talking about when we say that. Then when Kayleen is talking about mild, moderate, those are our self-contained classrooms in California, which go by the name Special Day Class. And then those are divided up by mild, moderate, moderate, severe, and severe. So when I was in the classroom, Mm -hmm. I taught in a mild, moderate class. So Kayleen, do you have any teaching experience so far? Have you ever been able to be in a classroom at all? Right now, I work for a program. It's called California Teaching Fellows Foundation, or CTFS. I probably, during this interview, will refer to myself as a teaching fellow, which means I work for this foundation here in California. In the foundation, they hire college students to work inside of a school setting. And so they have both an after-school program and a morning program. In the after-school program, some of the things that teaching fellows do is they monitor students as school is out. And so they play sports with them. They have a time to do some homework. They sometimes have a craft, maybe a group activity that they can all do together. And so that usually is from after school. So here in California, schools typically get out about 3.30, 3 o'clock. And so the teaching fellows are with those students from about six o'clock when the after school program is over. I, however, work in a morning program, which means that I am working for California Teaching Fellows Foundation, but I get pushed inside of a classroom in a school district here in the Central Valley. I'm not going to say where I work just for the protection of the students, but in my school district, I work at this elementary school, kindergarten through sixth grade. And I work in a general education classroom. I am right now working with first and second grade. And I'm working with students in reading intervention, which means those are students who are significantly below the reading level. And so the activities that I'm doing with students is I'm reading with them. I am doing sight words with them, which are words that they need to know by sight when they see the word. And I make flashcards for them. And I'm also doing rhyme magic. Rhyme magic is rhyming words. What that means is it's words like at, A-T, and you could say cat, mat, bat. And so I work on just the rhyming part so the kids are saying it out loud with me. Sometimes I do writing activities with them, but I've recently have found out that that's just a little bit too advanced them. And so I've just stick with verbal and reading. And so the students are reading out loud with me and just having just that connection while I'm working with them. Oh, that's awesome. Now, are you working with small groups of students in their actual general ed classroom while the teacher is teaching or doing other groups? Or are you in a pullout situation where the students leave their classroom and come to you in a different class? 
I would say it's kind of a combination of both because I work with one student at a time. And so I pull out a student, but I don't leave the classroom. I just go in the back of the classroom and I work with that student individually. So we can have that one, I can have that one-on-one attention with the student. And so as I'm working with the student, the teacher is doing their instruction with the entire class. The teacher and I have a relationship where they understand my space, I understand their space. And so even though the teacher needs to control the entire classroom, my students actually do very well at staying focused at what we are doing, where I get distracted sometimes (laughs) with how she's working with the classroom. So I think that's pretty funny how the students are very focused on the book we're reading, but then behind me, there's a kid yelling and running around and I'm the one looking. Right. Of course. Of course. Because you're going to be in that situation of being in the driver's seat as the teacher someday. So you want to soak in all this knowledge and information that you can. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a reason why I like working in the morning program. And I have only done the morning program and I love it because as I'm working with students, my other ear and other eye, you could say, gets to listen and observe what the teacher is doing in the classroom, but also while working with my student. And so I've seen things that I absolutely love and I would like to do in my classroom, but there are other things I would not even consider doing. Yeah, that is so true. I'm really glad that you're in the classroom. So you're getting that feedback and you're getting all those interactions because I talk to people Mm -hmm. that want to be teachers, but they've never been in the classroom. And so I think it's really important to do something like what you're doing, do some kind of after school care program or do some substituting. But I do think that it's really important if if there's any college students that want to be teachers out there, any way that you can be working with kids now, whether it's in a situation like Kayleen, or maybe it's even just teaching in Sunday school or other types of volunteer situations. You want to be with kids of all ages. So you see what ages you like. Both of my parents are educators. I've always worked with kids ever since I was honestly 12 years old. I have been working with kids and I have just such a big heart for them and a patience for them. Oh, patience is a great thing to have, especially in special ed. Now, do you have anything you'd want to say about why you're interested in going into special ed after you get some general ed experience? Absolutely. We are required to take either a psychology class or a special education class for my major, which is liberal studies. And I was told that the special education class is interactive and just a fun class overall. And so, of course, with college, you have all these very serious class. When I heard that a class was fun, I was all for it. I love fun. And so I signed up for the class and inside the class, I met a woman who was a professor. Her name is Cheryl McDonald, and she is the director of the special education credential program. And she's also the director of the dual credential program, which is what I will be applying for. And Cheryl was was very inspirational about students with special needs. And she really opened my eyes and my heart to students who have disabilities. Throughout the class, we had to observe in a special education classroom and we had to write a group research paper about it. And so I got orthopedic impairment. The reason why I chose that is because my oldest brother has cerebral palsy affecting the right side of his body. So Before, a lot of people, when they hear the word cerebral palsy, they think of someone curled up in a chair, unable to speak 
eat function completely on their own. And my brother is completely opposite of that. My brother, Luke, is very functional. He is going to celebrate his 10-year anniversary with his wife this October. He has a beautiful three-year-old girl. And you hear cerebral palsy, like I said before, and he's not like that at all. He is so kind to others. He wants to make sure everyone has, is his friend and just speaks to anyone who looks him in the eye, honestly. And I never used to think of him as someone with a disability because I've seen all of his accomplishments my entire life. He has his second degree black belt. And so you hear that even though he has this disability, all of the things that he does, it's so inspiring. Actually, my second brother, so the middle brother, but he's still older than me, he also has learning disabilities. He has something called dyscalculia, which one, I've learned that a lot of people don't know what that is, but two, both brothers have it. it dyscalculia is like dyslexia, but it's the mixture of numbers and they have a hard time understanding uh, mathematical concepts. So my second brother, Chris, has dyscalculia. He has autistic characteristics. He has ADHD and other learning disabilities. I've grown up with them and that's a huge reason of why my parents decided to homeschool us is because if my brothers went into the public school program, they would have to have special education services. Now, would they be in a special education classroom like the day program? I'm not sure. I believe that they could be pushed inside of a general education classroom, but with those special education services. With the background knowledge of my brothers, like I said, I never thought of them, of people who had disabilities. And with this special education class, it really opened my eyes to everything my brothers are. And it really humbled my heart. And I had such more of an understanding of who my brothers are and honestly why they are. They're not just some punk, annoying brothers. They're genuine. They're kind. And just because I don't have any learning disabilities or something like that doesn't mean that they're less of a person than I am. It just means that they just have to do things differently than me. With that mindset, it's opened my eyes to all of these different students who have other learning disabilities. And it's really life-giving and it's humbling and it makes me want to be part of that special education world. I love the term that people say, see the able, not the label. I absolutely love that because I really think that's what special education is about. From the class and my brothers and the observation and everything I had to do in that bed class, Cheryl convinced me, honestly, to do the dual program because before that, I always imagined myself as a multiple subject or working in a general ed classroom. But now I can't just decide on general ed or special education, which is why I decided to get my dual credential. That's very inspiring. It's so great to know of this professor and program that has really helped inspire you and help you even understand your brothers on a different level that you probably didn't think about when you were growing up as their younger sister. So that's, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So Luke, on top of having a great marriage, a beautiful girl, he works full-time at Costco. And at first he started as 
the gas man. I don't know the proper term, but he worked at the gas station. And that was probably his favorite because all he had to do was clean up spills here and there, but talk to people. Like I said before, his cerebral palsy affects his right side of his body. So the majority of his function is with his left. So even though he still has his right arm, he usually pulls things with his left hand. When he meets a new person, he shakes with his left hand instead of his right. But more recently, he moved from the gas station to inside of the warehouse and he works as a cashier. And how that works is he scans the items with his left hand. He just pulls it with his left hand. And it's hard to describe and not show you in a video if you're a righty like me, just thinking of only using your left hand and just moving it. Also, as a cashier, he types everything in with his left hand. But also besides work, Luke has his license. When you're driving a car, people use their right foot. But with cerebral palsy affecting his foot, um, he doesn't have control of his ankle. And so if he were to drive with his right foot, he would step on the, the gas pedal way too hard. So Luke drives with his left foot and his left arm, and he has one hand on the steering wheel. And when he makes a turn, he uses the palm of his left hand to turn the wheel. People ask him all the time, how does that work? But you have to think of it as a perspective that Luke has always used his left side of his body for everything. Probably there aren't as many people that drive manual transmission these days, but certainly if you do that, you're using both feet. You have the clutch, you have the brake, mm -hmm. you have the gas. So I can see how he learned how to do it that way. And that's what he's used to. And it's probably no big deal for him. But if we had to switch, that's where it's hard. <laughs> People say, that's crazy. How do you drive with your left foot? And he can come just back with you and say, it's crazy that you drive with your right foot. <laughs> Another thing Luke did that I briefly mentioned, but I feel like I should go more in depth about is I said earlier how Luke has a second degree black belt. And with that, Luke holds the record of breaking 10 bricks. And I think it's really inspiring of a video to see that a man with cerebral palsy can accomplish something so magnificent. I think that's amazing. Yes, I hope that all our listeners will go to the show notes and that you will take a peek at Luke in action with his second degree black belt. I think that's fabulous. This is okay. such a great conversation. And I do want to say one thing because I also have both credentials and I have used both, that it's nice to have both of those early in your career because you may find that you switch around in your career. I started out teaching special ed, but then I stayed home after my child was born. And when I came back, I actually came back and did a few years of general ed before I went back into special ed. So all of that experience may help you at different points in your life, depending on what type of job that you want to have at a particular time. Plus, having the knowledge of all of that is going to help you no matter what as well. Say you stay in general ed, well, having the knowledge that you get from your special ed credential is going to make you a better general ed teacher. And the same way, being a special ed teacher, having that background knowledge of general ed will just make you a better special ed teacher as well. So education is always a great thing to have. It's always a fantastic investment in yourself. I'm actually also considering getting my master's in special education as well, because at Fresno State, the program, after you get your credential, getting your master's is just one more year. Right. I went through, my BA was with my elementary teaching credential, my multiple subjects, and then I started teaching and I was working on my special ed credential. And then after I was done with my special ed credential, I had to take two classes and do my thesis to end up with my master's. 
So it just all kind of built in. So I just kept going until I had the whole thing done. So yeah, I would recommend that you do that too. Okay, I will. Thank you. All right. So now let's get into some questions that you have, Kayleen. When you think about being a teacher in the future, what are some questions that you have? So many. A question I have is in the special education field, I've heard a little bit about ED students, which is emotionally disturbed is what we call it in California. I don't know how best to help students in that situation. And with my credential and the mild moderate, I've heard that an ED student would probably not be in my classroom, but I know that it is a possibility. So my question is, how can you best work with a student who's ED? Okay, that's a good question. Another question I have is, What type of accommodations for a student is hard to give? I've heard that in a general education class, giving a student who is on an IEP or also it's called an individual education plan. So a student who has those services in a general education classroom, what accommodations are hard to accommodate? I think it probably depends on the students' needs because not everyone has the same accommodation. But yeah, there's probably some that are easier to give than others. Okay. I have another one. Okay. Special education teachers say that the paperwork is the hardest thing about the job and it can easily overwhelm teachers. Why? The short answer is because it takes so long to do when you would rather be prepping for lessons or doing other types of things. It just sometimes the paperwork never seems to end. That's my answer. <laughs> but oh, then, I have a happy question. Yeah. Okay, great. What is your favorite thing about teaching students with special needs? All about those aha moments, those light bulb moments when they mm-hmm. get it. And yeah. when you know how long it took to get to that point. Sometimes it takes them longer to reach a certain milestone. I agree. I just like hearing people's answers, though. It inspires me to hear the answers. Well, and then if someone has a story, let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to stop our conversation here. Kayleen and I decided that we're going to make this into two episodes. And so we will hear the rest of our conversation next time. So this is what I'm going to do. All you listeners out there, you've heard Kayleen's story. You've heard her questions. Uh, What I'm going to do is repeat those questions right now and also add a few more so that we can get into those in the next episode. These will also be put in the show notes and I will post them on the Help for Special Educators podcast Facebook page. And I would love to get written answers or even audio responses from you listeners so that we can play them in the next episode. I do have directions and even a video tutorial on how to send me an audio file straight from your phone or via Instagram. So be sure to check that out on the Facebook page. Here are the questions that Kayleen has asked me. Besides learning classroom management techniques, what are some other benefits for a teacher to go into general ed for a few years before becoming a special education teacher? What accommodations are the hardest to implement? ideas on how to work with an ED student that's emotionally disturbed, or I don't know if it's EB student, perhaps in other states. Why is paperwork the hardest? Because teachers always complain about that. What is your favorite thing about teaching special education? As a paraprofessional or aide, can you and how do you advocate for a student you are working with? 
and any general advice for new teachers or teachers still in college going into the special ed field. So I hope to get some listener input so that I can add some of your views and experiences on the show instead of it just being my answers to questions and things. The show notes for this episode can be found at lisagadell.com slash podcast. That's L-I-S-A-G-O-O-D-E-L-L. Now, when I start to get stressed or overwhelmed about school stuff, I find it helps to take a moment to slow down, stop, and focus on my breathing. Sometimes, I also might say the serenity prayer aloud or in my head. Here it is. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I might also add a few of my own words. Here's a sample for us special educators. Help us to listen and truly understand our students. Please give us words, actions, and solutions which will help in difficult situations. May our classrooms be peaceful places where teachers, staff, and students learn and thrive. After that, I try to go out and find someone else to help because helping others keeps me from selfishly dwelling on my own problems. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you heard something helpful during this episode that you can implement in your teaching. Remember, you are amazing. What you do makes a difference, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Go find someone else to encourage, because they probably need to be reminded that they are amazing too.